Hallelujah. Well, as most of you probably know, Pastor Brenda's down in Southern California in Livy Land as Livy just turned four years old and they've been celebrating her birthday. So I know Pastor's been down there all week. He actually was able to um, participate in the party and he was actually able to uh, dress up as the Swedish baker. <laughs> and if any of you saw the picture, it was quite something to behold. <laughs> and so I know that he is home recuperating tonight as Livy's going to be coming back up this week. So praise God. We just ask the Lord for you just to bless them, just to bless them in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the title of my message is finding Nemo. Do y'all know who Nemo is? How many of you have seen the movie Finding Nemo? Well, if you've seen that movie, you know that um, it's an animated movie. And it's about a fish named Marlin and his wife. And it's about really a story of unconditional love, isn't it? You know, Marlin and his wife were so excited. They were expecting their little eggs to hatch. And they had a multitude of eggs. And he wanted them, most of them, I think, all of them named after him. <laughs> and his wife said, oh, we're going to name them Nemo. And he said, well, maybe one. And as you know, the story goes on and the enemy came in and he took the life of Marlon's wife and all of the eggs except for one. And that little egg was named Nemo when he hatched. And so Nemo... He got himself into a lot of different interesting places. Um, Marlon was quite neurotic, you know. He had been through some traumatic times. And when you face some traumatic things, it can do some stuff to you. You need the help of God to get through that. Well, he was so overly protective. He was fearful. And as a result, little Nemo had enough. <laughs> and he, he, he took off, and we know the story how he got caught by um, a gentleman who was down there fishing for tropical fish for an aquarium for a dentist office. And so as he got caught, of course, it broke the heart of his father, Marlon. And Marlon, I'll tell you what, he was not going to have it. He got himself together, and he faced his greatest fears. I mean, he swam the depth of, this, of the ocean and the length of it too. And he went through so many different adventures. He was like the Apostle Paul. He was in death often. <laughs> but you know, something on the inside of him continued to motivate him to keep going, even though it was his greatest fear. And what was that? It was the love for his son. You know, I, I don't think that there is any greater love, an expression of love in this earth as the love of a parent for a child. You know, it's just a great thing that God has shown us his love through the ability to love our children. Amen. Or even love our parents. And so um, Nemo, too, he pressed through some things. He pressed through his own inabilities. And do you know that that's what love will do for you? It will help you to press through your own inabilities and to find a strength to endure. To find a way when there is no way. And he surely did. And as we know, the story goes, because they did not give up. Love does not give up. Because they did not quit, they were reunited. What a wonderful story. Hallelujah. Finding Nemo. Really, it's the story of finding love. Finding love. Um, what would your relationships be? Let me ask you this question. What would your relationship be in this earth without pretty empty, huh? They wouldn't mean much. They wouldn't be fulfilling. Just think about it. First Corinthians 13, 13 in the New Living Testament says, 
Now there abideth these three. These three remain. Faith, hope, and what? Love. And the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's look at verses 4 through 8. And we're going to take a look at this. And we're going to define love in the amplified version. I'm going to stop and I'm going to make comment as we move along through this. So let's read it together. Love endures long. It doesn't say love endures till it feels like it's done. It says love endures long, long suffering. You know what I'm talking about? It's the kind that tolerates the uncomfortable for long periods of time without complaint. Wow. It suffers long. This is where, you know, you're being squeezed. And you know what's in you because of what's coming out of you? And love is patient. Love is patient. Love patiently waits. It waits while God works. Amen? How many of you had to wait while God worked? On situations? On people? On loved ones. Amen. Love patiently waits. Hallelujah. One thing about today's society is that we are so busy and so filled with stress and hurry. And that stress and that hurry, it provokes impatience, doesn't it? I mean, you know, you'll get a couple unexpected calls and then you have to be at an appointment and you're rushing and then there's traffic and then there's frustration. Uh-huh. I'll tell you what. Time management is so much more important in the day and age that we live in. To manage our time is to manage our peace. And it's not an option. It's something that we need to be responsible to do. Amen. And then we get to practice our patience because as we're out there endeavoring to get to our uh, goal, well, as we get met with these things along the way, you're driving and you're in traffic, guess what you get to employ? Guess what you get to put to work? Patience. And that's how patience is developed. It's by putting it to work. And while you're putting it to work, you got to be talking to yourself. You got to have the right self talk so that you don't get over here into anxiety or frustration and all these other things. So, love is what? It's patient. Did you ever notice how we have so many weaknesses ourselves, yet? We allow ourselves to get so frustrated at other people and be impatient at them when their weakness manifests. Hey, I got a scripture for you. What you sow, you shall reap. You know, love is going to cost you something. It is. Love will cost you time where you have to slow down and you have to lend your heart your ears, but not just your ears. You got to lend your heart. You see, it's got to be sincere. You lend your heart and you lend your time and you develop patience. Amen. Isn't that so much? Isn't that so true in our own homes? You know, where it's easy to be impatient and we think it's socially accepted when it's not. That's the place to develop it. That's the place to grow in it. Love is not in a hurry. Love is patient. Love never boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. You know, pride strives to be seen as knowing more than others. It's really a self-image problem. 
Because when you're secure in who you are, when you are secure in him, then it's easy to deal with the pride issue, huh? And let's face it, we've all had those opportunities. But love is not prideful. You know what the Bible says about love? It says that God hates love. I mean, hates um, pride. He hates a haughty look, a prideful look, an arrogant attitude. You know why I believe that's so? Because I believe that that attitude is unteachable. That attitude thinks that they know it all. You know? So, love is not prideful. It does, it's not rude. It's not unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love values every person. Every person is precious. Every person has value. God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own ways. Because why? It's not self-seeking. And I know... Uh, there's times when God will speak to our hearts in many different ways, but there's time when there's almost an audible voice. And I remember one time, and I've shared this before, but I believe it's going to help someone tonight. I remember that something was done to me and it was wrong. And, you know, I went before the Lord and I said, you know what, Lord, this just is not right. I have every right to be upset. I have every right And the Lord just spoke up so clear in my heart. And he said, you know, you're right. It's not right. You have every right. And I'm thinking, oh, yes, I'm being vindicated. That's right, Lord. You know, you're on my side. But then the next thing came up in my heart so strong. But love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Because it's not self-seeking. That's when you have to go to another layer of love. Amen? Another level, that's right. Another level of love. Where you're not touchy. (laughs) You're not fretful. You're not resentful. You take no account of evil and pay no attention to a suffered wrong. You see, these are the kind of things that causes bitterness, you know, that root of bitterness, to be planted in you. And bitterness, it will grow. Bitterness will make your life bitter. So you want to make sure that you keep those roots plucked out by standing firmly in God's love. By having these scriptures in your home. In places where they cue you and speak to you. Places in your car, maybe where you're tempted to be impatient in traffic. Maybe you can have a little post-it that says, love is patient. Love believes the best. Love prays for that other driver that just cut you off. You know, Lord, what about them? Maybe they're going through something today. Lord, help them. Whatever the issue is in their life, Lord, I pray for them. What an amazing opportunity. Don't miss it. Amen. Love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when what? Right and truth prevails. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It always trusts God. It always trusts God. Because perfect love, God's love, casts out fear. Fear has torment. But when you're established in his love, it's easy to trust him. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. And really of every situation. It sees the glass half full and not half empty. 
Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades out. It never becomes obsolete or comes to an end. I'm telling you, don't quit because the demands of love get too hard. You might feel tempted along the way, but that's when you got to pull yourself aside and drink from that well of love, that well of life, and allow the Spirit of God to move in your heart and shed His love on the inside of you. Ask Him when you're dealing with situations that are difficult on your soul, your flesh, ask Him to help you see from His perspective. What about that? What's causing that person to behave that way? What is the root of it? And when you see the root of it, and many times it's wounds, it's hurt, it's pain that causes them to try to inflict pain. It's a defense mechanism. And when you see that root, then you know where the fruit's coming from. And then you can just do what Jesus said. Pray for those that despitefully use you or persecute you or speak evil of you. Pray for them. And you get into that place of prayer. And God does a work in their heart. But he also does a work in your heart. And that's where you can come up in him. And you can walk in that place in the spirit and you can restore such a one through your prayers and oh that fruit tastes so good amen hallelujah praise you jesus love melts the heart that has waxed cold I was looking in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. And actually, Jesus is talking about the last days. I want to take a look at that up there, please. And it says this. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I had to stop and think about that for a minute. Because, you know, sometimes we can have hardness of hearts about the people in the times that we live in. Because of what? Because of iniquity. Sometimes we see iniquity and sin in people's lives and we can say, well, they deserve it. We can get hard. Our hearts can wax cold. We can have attitudes towards people. People on the streets, the homeless, the mentally ill. People who have critical spirits. Amen? We can get hard towards them. Because there's so much iniquity out there in the day that we live in. It's the sign of the end times. Jesus said so. That the love of many will wax cold. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've been tempted to have that attitude kind of come up. And I'm not really given to that, If those of you who know me. But you know, it's a spirit that's working in the world today. And we got to make sure that we arrest it. We got to make sure that it doesn't influence our heart and cause our heart to wax cold. Lawlessness. That's what we see a lot of lawlessness. Lawlessness means that which is not regulated by or based by law. That which is not restrained or controlled by the law. Unruly. We've always seen it in different generations. But in today's generation, we really do see an escalation of that. And I'm telling you, watch what you look at and how you see it. Because if you don't see it through the eyes of God, you will dismiss an entire generation. Amen? 
I'm telling you what, some of this young people, they're this generation, oh, God wants to use them so greatly. And we've got to pray for his influences to be before them. And not that which is in the spirit of the world through music or through media or through just the assignment from the pit of hell. Amen? we got to stand against that. we got to see as he sees. So pray this. Lord, give me your eyes to see this generation and help me to love them. Hallelujah. I make that a prayer. I constantly um, challenge myself with that. You know, if, if this love is alive in you, then you can give it away. If it's alive in you, if you allow God, if you yield to God and allow God to knead it in you, you know how you knead yeast into bread, into dough? And that's what causes, it's the ingredient that causes the dough to rise. It will not rise without the yeast. And see, that's what God wants to do in your heart. He wants to knead love into your heart so that your heart can arise with that love. On eagle's wings. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be above and not beneath it. You can be a, a, you can be a vessel. You can be used of God if you just have love. You don't have to have a wonderful, amazing, funny personality. You don't have to have talent like pastors Tom and Kim where you can, you know, maybe play an instrument. What you need is love. So many times I hear people and they say, you know, I just don't have any friends. Well, the Bible says, show yourself friendly. When you step out in that, it's an action where you show yourself. You're putting yourself out there. You're stepping out into love to show yourself friendly, you know? I was just driving here tonight and there was a young lady standing on the corner and she had been jogging and she was ready to cross the street. And she looked over at me and then she kind of looked down and then she looked back up and I gave her a big smile. Just a smile. And you should have seen her countenance change because I gave her love. I said, Lord, bless her. Lord, bless her life. Lord, may she, may she know you if she doesn't know you. You know, from your heart you pray that? God will use you to do that. You, you'll begin to see people that you didn't see before, that you just passed by when you allow love to arise. Amen? Okay, I want to turn back and I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 in the NIV version. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Let's read what it says. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, what am I? And a clanging symbol. Now look at that. Go ahead. Go to the next one. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love. I have what? I am what? You know, some people would esteem that. If you have that kind of faith, people would admire that. If you have that kind of ability to speak to mountains, I mean, that's something really awesome, isn't it? But without love, God says, it's nothing. Okay, if I, have, if, I, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I do not have love. If you give your body to be burned, if you sacrifice yourself, if you give your life, but you don't do it in love, guess what? It says you gain nothing. Amen? How about... If you give everything to the poor, I think that's the next one, and surrender your body to the flames and have not love, you gain nothing. Greatly gifted, 
but without love equals nothing. Giving all, but without love equals nothing. Faith works by love. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. We're going to look at some things now that says what we need to do. Some things that we need to do. It says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I did what? I put away childish things. Amen? Put away childish things. What are the childish things that this passage of scripture is talking about? It's talking about the things that are the opposite of what love says it is. Being resentful, being quick-tempered, not having patience, being unkind, being jealous, being envious, being boastful, being prideful, being, you know, uh, insisting on your own way all the time, on your own rights, being touchy, being fretful, taking account all the time. You know, you did this to me this time, and I'm just going to make sure that I remember that. You know... Hallelujah. Human love is unable to bear up under all things. It's actually unable to bear up to many things. Amen. It loses hope. And it's weak. And it fails. And it fades out. And it becomes obsolete. And it does come to an end. And we saw there that we have to put those attitudes away. Because those are childish things. And it's time for us as the body of Christ to grow up in him. To grow up in him means to grow up in love because God is love. And so we got to put those things away. And that's our responsibility to put them away. We got to grow and we got to mature. And that's a process. And that process produces stability in us. You know, when you have every wind of emotion coming at you, you, you can, if you're not stable, be tossed by that. And when you're tossed by that, you're not going to respond. You're going to react. Amen? And when you react, it's usually in the flesh. So you have to kind of put that pause button on, like you pause a recorder. And you have to take a moment. You have to say law, right? I think that part of the meaning of that word is when it's like in an orchestra, when there's a pause and one side comes down and the other side comes up. Say law. Pause. Think about withdraw yourself. One thing you can't take back is a spoken word. And sometimes you need to give yourself a time out. Or if you're in relationships with other people and you say, hey, I need a time out. You got to call it. You call it. You call the time out. You pull yourself away. And you get God's perspective before you react in the flesh. Because when you react in the flesh, it causes wounds. And when you are wounded, you need to be healed. And many times that's a process. And I don't want to wound anyone. And I don't want to be wounded. And so these are things that we can put to work. Because love, it'll cause us to mature. It'll cause us to grow up. It'll cause us to be strong. Love is steady. Love is stable. Love is strong. It's steadfast. It's unmovable. And it's always abounding. It's always abounding. You know, the word says it's the strong spirit of a man that sustains him in the day of adversity. Let me ask you this. What causes your spirit to be strong? Love. Love. Love is what causes your spirit to be strong. Love hopes, you know, remember? It doesn't get discouraged because it believes. It hopes. And when you have hope, 
You have something to add your faith to. And when you have something to add your faith to, then you can operate in God's kingdom. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus gave us the standard by which we are to love. He said this in Mark 12, verses 30 and 31. He says, And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. My eye was drawn to the word strength, and I thought, what does that mean? And so I looked it up in Strong's. And these, this is what it means. It means it with all your ability, with all your power, with all your substance, with all your acts, with all your life. And then he said, this is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But from that place, after the new birth, we're instructed to even go to another level. We're instructed to love others, especially the household of faith, as Christ loved the church. Giving himself for it. Nurturing it. Cherishing it. Watching over it. Loving it as his own flesh. That's how we're to love. Is that possible? Yes, it is. Amen. God said it. And when you just take hold of it, you'll find amazing things that he will do in and through you because of love. Let's talk for just a moment about what love looks like. So, First of all, let's talk about what love looks like in our words. We've said a little bit, but I want to go into it a little bit more. The Bible says to speak the truth in what? In love. When we were in prayer at Ladies' Prayer, this was coming up as I was praying, and I just, I knew it was part of a message. And so speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is what? Healthy and growing and full of love. Speaking the truth in love. You know, speaking the truth in love means speaking the truth with mercy Proverbs 3, 3, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck and write them upon the tablet of your heart. Truth and mercy work together. One minister said it this way. Mercy without truth is a cheerleader without a team. And truth without mercy is surgery without anesthesia. Amen? Truth without mercy is mean. And mercy without truth is meaningless. You know, we all have different personality bents, and I'm not going to go into teaching about the different personalities, um, but I want to just kind of touch on it for a minute. Pastor Kimberly and I do a lot of premarital and uh, marriage um, spiritual guidance. And uh, we use the Prepare and Rich program, but we also use a um, profile that profiles people's personality temperaments. And, you know, different temperaments are given to a different bent. Sometimes you can have a combination that kind of balances you out, but all of them have strengths. And all of them have areas that you have to grow up in and develop and sharpen. Amen? I don't like to call them weaknesses. I call them areas of growth. And so we have um, in the animal kingdom, for example, that's how we like to uh, talk about it. We have the first one, which would be a choleric, which is like the lion. And the lion is a very um, goal-oriented person. They're goal-oriented. They have great administrative gifts. They... Um, see over the mountain. They see things ahead of time. And that can work as a blessing, but it also can work like 
Okay, don't you see it? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You know? They're very black and white. There's no gray with a lion. If you're just a pure lion, you don't see gray. You see black and white. And you just kind of put it out there. It's that temperament that speaks the truth but doesn't always have mercy attached to it, you know? They're great movers and shakers. They're entrepreneurs. They're wonderful leaders. They're visionaries. They're great people. But they have to be aware that they have to add mercy to truth. Then you have, oh, the otter. And the otter's like the sanguine. He's very playful. And they're lots of fun. And they are people-oriented. And so because they're people-oriented, they like to... um, They like to be around people, lots of people. They get energy from their people. They're very um, positive. They're very persuasive. They're very inspiring. They're very much um, peacemakers, and they can negotiate conflicts very well. The thing about them, though, is that they're inattentive to detail, and they're emotionally based. And because they're emotionally based, they will often make decisions based on emotion. And you have to be careful that you don't pull yourself away because you're inspired to do something. And you have to hear from God. What is God leading me to do? Not my emotions. What is God leading me to do? Remember, the only thing that divides between the soul and the spirit is the word. So you got to get in the word and you got to hear if you're a pure sanguine. You know, their greatest fear is rejection. Because they love people. And they don't want to be rejected, and they're people-oriented. And so that's important to know. The, the uh, lion, their greatest fear is being taken advantage of. Then we have the beaver. And the beaver, I'm telling you what, the, they're the melancholic temperament, and they are awesome to have around. They are really the anchor of reality. They're persuasive. They're professionistic. They have... Um, uh, they, they like to analyze. They like to critique. They like to gather information. They, they just really go over it. They make sure that it's right. They're very detailed-oriented. As a matter of fact, they are task-oriented. And they are very detailed in everything that they do, in the way that they speak, in the way that they write, in the way that they do things. Um, if the otter says... They're inspired and decides, oh, let's go to Disneyland. We can go this weekend. It'll be so much fun. (laughs) The beaver will say, well, where are we going to stay? How much is it going to cost? What's the mileage on the gas? Which car should we take? How How many pieces of luggage should we pack? You know, do we need snacks? Do we need a map? Yes, we need a map. Then we have the golden retriever. Oh, By the way, the beaver, their greatest fear is criticism because they've done everything that they know to do to make sure that it's right. And when they hear criticism, oh, it's so hard because they equate it to failure. You know, they've tried so hard to make it right. Now, the golden retriever, that's the one who, I mean, you know, golden retrievers are great dogs. And and golden retrievers are great people. (laughs) Because they're team-oriented. They are people-oriented. They're loyal. They, they're peacemakers. They don't like conflict. They, they like to work on a team. They're wonderful people. Now, if you look at all these temperaments, each and every one of them have things. Like the golden retriever, they'll have a lot of mercy. But they've got to remember to couple it with truth. You know? And again, even with the, the uh, otter, the otter can have a lot of mercy, but they need to couple it with truth. And the beaver, they can have a lot of truth. Here's the facts. But they need to have mercy come in and help them to process. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank God he's our helper. Thank God he comes along with the sandpaper of the Holy Ghost and takes the rough edges off as we yield to him and allow his love to develop on the inside of us. And he's made all of us special and unique. And there isn't another person who is like you. There's not another person that has your eye pattern. There's not another person that has your fingerprints or your voice tone inflection. 
You're unique and wonderfully and fearfully made. And so I would say, be aware. Be self-aware. Self-aware of what and who you are and what your bent is. Because not everybody's like you. Now, here's three things in speaking the truth and love that I want to give you that will help you. And I want you to write these down if you can. Number one, when you go to speak the truth and love, say you have to have a conversation with somebody and you know you're about to. Here's three things. Number one, you got to find out when is the timing. When is the timing? Hi, Tammy. Timing is so crucial. You can have all the right things to say, but if you say it at the wrong time, it's just not going to go over. You know, there's not going to be ears to hear. There's going to be other things that enter in. So you've got to have the right timing, not when it's best for you, not when you're emotional, but what is the right time? Number two, you got to have the right tone and you got to have the right tact, the right attitude, the right heart motive. If you come across as critical and negative, you know what the other person's going to do? They're simply going to close their heart. That'll be speaking the truth, but not in love. So you've got to find out when you're ready to have that conversation. Because sometimes if there's an issue of conflict, you've got to go when you know your heart is able to go. So don't be impatient, but wait and let God talk to you about it so that you gather yourself and you have the right tone. You know, communication, only 7% is words. The rest is body language and tone of voice. And you can say something, but you can say it in a different tone. It can have a completely different meaning. Or you can say it with, you know, your body language, and it can have a totally different meaning. And so, timing, tone, and then content. What is it that you want to say? Write it down. Take a look at it. Revisit it the next day. Is this what I want to say? Is this how I want to say it? Is this what I want them to hear? When you have difficult times where you have to have these kinds of, even when it's not difficult, it's still good to know the timing, to have the right tone, and to have the right content. You could just be rushed, and you could say something, it can come off so differently. Amen? And so we want peace for our hearts and peace in our homes, and peace in our relationships. So these things take what? It takes time. It takes time. So we've talked about love through our words. Let's talk for a minute about love through our actions. Now we saw that with Marlon the fish. He put love into action. Amen? He put love into action. Let's see, where am I? Now, action is something that we do. We have to uh, step out and put action to our love. And many times when you're endeavoring to walk in love towards a situation or towards a person, you have to do something. You have to take that situation. You have to take that person and you have to give them to God. You know, First Peter says to do what? Casting the whole of your care, worry, and anxiety over on the Lord. Casting it. The care. The first one, the first care in that, in that passage is a noun. That's a person, place, or thing. So you take that person, place, or thing, and the Bible says you cast the care of it over on the Lord because he cares. That second care is a verb. A verb takes what? Action. So when you take that person, you take that situation, you take whatever it is that's trying to tear you out of the love of God, and you put them into God's hands. Raul, can you stand up right here, please? You know, it's not just like you take, you know, that and you cast the problem to the side. You're just going to cast it away. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about casting it away. It's simply talking about... Um, coming over here and here's the person, here's the situation, here's whatever it is that you're dealing with and you're going to cast it into 
the hands of Jesus. You're going to give it to him. You're going to release it to him. If it's unforgiveness, give it to him. If it's hurt, pain, fear, give it to him. Whatever the temptation, test, or trial is bringing to your door, take it and give it to Jesus. Doesn't that help you? It helps me because I'm not just casting it to the side. I'm giving it to the one, to the creator of the universe who can do something about it. He works in hearts. You know, the heart is God's property and he works in the heart of men. And if you will just employ patience and allow him to work, he will work. Amen. Thank you, Raul. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping us to do that. I want to look at that. Uh, I want to look at 1 Peter 5, 8 in the Message Bible. In the Message. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to love through our actions. It says, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Don't you know he comes at, at opportune times when you're tired, when you're weary, when you're overwhelmed with other things? Hallelujah. He wants to catch you napping. Okay? Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with the Christians all over the world. So keep a firm Grip on faith. The suffering, it won't last long. It won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God, who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. Woo! Hallelujah! Glory to God. It won't be long. Just be patient. God's working. You know, our pastor always says it. He's working, 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 working. God is a working. He's working in your behalf. He's working with the favor of God. He's working through the love of God. He's working to supply your every need. And remember what pastor said this morning? You got to be in the right place at the right time. With the right people, in the right way, doing the right thing, for the right reason. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He gets the last word. That was the end of the thing. It said, he gets the last word. Yes, he does. (laughs) Yes, he does. Say it. God gets the last word. He has the last word. It's not over till he's done. Amen. It may look like it. It may look like them bones are dead. But what does God say? Can these bones live? You know, God. Yes, he says. And then he tells us to do what? Prophesy. Speak to the dead bones. Bones live bones get up you got dead situations in your life let love arise and speak to those dead bones and watch the spirit of God bring life back into those dead bones those dead situations those dead relationships God will do it If you trust him, if you allow him to do it. Sometimes you may even be falsely accused. What does love say? 
Love says in Psalms 26, 1 through 3, I'm telling you, I want you to take hold of this. This is for somebody tonight. In Psalms 26, 1 through 3, it says this. When you're falsely accused, it says, uh, vindicate me. Let's see, this is, I'm looking in a different version. I'm not sure which one it is. But it says, vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have expectantly trusted in, leaned on, and relied on the Lord without wavering. And I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Test my heart and my mind. For your loving kindness is before my eyes. And I have walked in your truth faithfully. Amen. That's all we need to say to that is amen, Lord. Vindicate me. Make it clear as the noonday. God will vindicate you. And he will restore. And it will be so much more than before. That's how he does things. He's a God of restoration. He doesn't just give you back what you lost. He gives you that and more beside. That's the kind of God that we serve. Amen. Glory to God. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be sincere. Let it be a real thing. Let it be a real thing. When it's a real thing and it's living in you, then it comes to the next step where we talk about loving and doing good. Loving and doing good. We're just coming to a close here, but I want to look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Again, these are things that we need to put on. We got to put them on. We got to receive them. It says, and let us consider and give attention, continuous care to watching over who? One another. You're not going to love like just yourself where you're just watching out for yourself, but you're going to love one another. Amen. You're going to pray for one another. Studying how we may stir up and stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. You got to stir it up. And when you stir it up in you, when you, when you get around somebody that's just that's that's gushing, that's overflowing with the love of God, doesn't it provoke you? It provokes you to go and do the same. Every one of us That is the cry of our heart to be loved. We're created to give love. And we're created to receive love. And when we do, it stimulates and it incites love. It it motivates others. If it is in your power to do good, do it. Words of love and random acts of kindness, they can change the course of a person's day and perhaps life. You show an act of kindness because God put that love in your heart. You just don't know what's on the other end of that seed. It may be a person who's unsaved and because you showed them love, you just opened their heart Amen? Happens all the time. Remember, words are seeds. Remember to plant them. Plant the right kind of seed. Plant seeds of love. First Corinthians says we are to eagerly pursue and to seek to acquire this love. We got to make it our aim. It's got to be our quest. To pursue means to follow in an effort. To capture and overtake. Oh, Father, help us to do that. Help us to do that. I'm just going to close with this little story. It's about a mama who was in the kitchen and their child was, their well, young adult was going through some difficult, hard times and had come home to stay. And she came into the, the kitchen and she was weary and, and her mother could see that all over her. And she was tempted to take the care of some things. And her mom said, you know, I want you to do something. I want you to go get three pots of water and I want you to put them on the stove and I want you to boil them. And so she did. 
she went and got the water, she put them on the stove, started boiling. Then her mom went over to the fridge and she got some things out. She got an egg, she got some carrots. She went to the cupboard and she got some coffee. And so she said, okay, let's put these things inside these pots. Go ahead and do that. And so she did. She took the egg, put it in the water. She took the carrots, put them in the water. She took the coffee and put it in the water. Well, after a period of time, we know what happened to the egg. What happened to it? It became hard-boiled. And you see, there's people who get into situations that are difficult and hard. And those situations cause them to have a hard heart, like we were talking about earlier. Their heart wax cold. They become hard-hearted on the inside where they used to be tender and pliable. Then she put the carrots in, and the carrots were in there for a while, and she took them out. And what was firm and strong became weak and pliable. And sometimes when they're going, people are going through difficulties, they can be like a carrot where their strength is lost. But then she looked over at the other pot, and in that pot there was the coffee. And as that coffee was boiled in that water, what do you suppose began to happen? That coffee released flavor. It released what was on the inside of it. And it became better having gone through a difficult time. Having gone through the boiling water, have you been there? You can come out better. You can pass through the Valley of Baca and you can make it a spring. The Valley of Baca is the valley of weeping. It's the valley of tears. It's the valley of misery. It's that place where I'll tell you what, there's agony, anxiety, despair, despondency. You know, first there comes, usually in that valley, there comes discouragement. And through the discouragement, if it's not dealt with, you can become depressed. And through that depression, it leads to despondency and then despair. It'll take you down. But see, those kind of situations come to all of us. And you don't have to camp in the valley of Baca. You have to do what? You have to pass through it. You can't go over, under, or around it. You've got to go through it. But you don't go through it by yourself. You go through it with the help of the Lord. Remember, pastor was talking about the Holy Spirit, how he's our comforter, he's our counselor, he's our advocate, he's our intercessor, he's our standby, he's our helper. He will help you to do what you cannot do in and of yourself. He will help you. He will strengthen you. He's your strengthener. He will give you strength to do it. He will comfort you when there's grief or loss. He will comfort your heart in that valley of Baca. And he will bring you through it. And when you get through it and you're on the other side, you make it a spring. A well is for you, but a spring is for others. And when you've come through, I'll tell you what, you, it's gold. You've got something in you. I'm telling you, you've got an, an anointing from having come through that place. Amen? Amen. You have a strength about you. You have faith that you didn't know that you could have. You know God in a way that you would not have known him had you not come through that place that requires faith to get to the other side. But when you're rooted and you're grounded in love. You're rooted and grounded in God. And therefore, fear has no place in you. Amen? Amen. You can rise up with God's strength and God's peace in this hour. And so, Father, we just thank you for this word tonight. We thank you for the word because it is your word. And it's settled forever in heaven. 
And because you never fail, love never fails. And so, Lord, in situations where it does seem hopeless, we employ your love to fill that place. And in that place, it shall not fail. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to each and every heart. (laughs) Glory to God.